0: every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Harry Keevan, and it's great to be with you here again today. And yesterday, we just launched our brand new JLI series called Wrestling with Faith. And so here today, we're going to cover some of the topics discussed ...on the JLI course, and of course, you're welcome to join us anytime. It takes place every Wednesday. You have a morning option at Chabad 9.45 a.m. or 7.15 p.m. at our Santa and Central Shul, the Kirsch Goodness and Kindness Center, where you could participate, where we have texts which you can read and be part of the interactive discussion, ask your questions. Of course, we have PowerPoint presentations and videos, and it's quite an interactive opportunity. But here on Thursdays, we're going to do a little summary and touch on some of the topics. And I will throw out some questions just now and would love to get your participation, your answers, your ideas, your thoughts. So feel free to send your messages into the studio. Today's topic we're going to talk about specifically is redefining God. And I want to start off with a little story, perhaps a, lesson, a powerful lesson that will perhaps ...create the framework of today's discussion. And this story goes about a particular fellow, a chassad, a follower of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Chabad Rebbe. And he, the fellow was quite distraught. He lamented to his rabbi. He said, you know, I got these terrible thoughts sometimes. And he was complaining how his mind wanders... And he wonders whether there really is a creator in the world. And he was just clutching about that. And the Rebbe looks back at him and says, No? So? So this guy can't believe it. He says, Rebbe, do you not hear? I have so many doubts and questions. And again, the Rebbe's response is, No? Okay, so? So seeing how surprised this fellow was that by the Rebbe's nonchalant response... The Rebbe looked at him in the eyes and the Rebbe asked him, So you don't believe in God? Why is that a problem? What's bothering you? And the guy looks up at his rabbi he says, But Rebbe, I'm a Jew. So the Rebbe responds to him, "Is good? So then it's good? What do you mean it's good? Good that I have questions? Yes. Questions is a very good thing. In fact, I'll tell you, I had a discussion with a fellow the other day, local gentleman tells me that he gets a phone call from the school his son goes to, that his son is asking too many questions. He tells the teacher, what do you think I send my son to school for if not to ask questions? And if you don't know the answer, then okay, you could say that. But don't discourage the kid from asking questions. Judaism encourages us to ask questions, and that's what the Rebbe was saying to this fellow. Yes, there are many people who believe without question, and that's great to have blind faith. But it's even greater if you believe with having questions. And probing, investigating, asking questions is good, it's an important, it's a fundamental part of Judaism. This great Rebbe, the Tsematzerek, the third Chabad Rebbe, he was a legendary scholar, he was a genius. And even amongst the Hasidic Rebbe's, his breadth and depth of knowledge was exceptional. In many ways, he was very similar to our Rebbe. Firstly, they both shared the same name in Mendel. They both, their wives were both Chayamushkas. And I think they both lived longest amongst the Rebbe's in the Chabad Hasidic dynasties. But also, had the widest influence and amounts of followers and amount of publication of works. This Rebbe was not ordinary person. Besides for being the rabbi of thousands of followers, he was a prolific writer. He was a preeminent halachic authority, a mystic of the highest order. And he was an expert on Jewish philosophy. And yet, when this fellow was sitting and talking with him and talking about his questions, the Rebbe encouraged him and said, It's good that you have questions. The point was, the Rebbe was so to say putting a mirror in front of this individual and making him a bit more self-aware and saying, okay, so you're having questions about God's existence. Aren't you, I'm glad that what you're thinking about is you're thinking about God. And so the Rebbe is challenging him and saying, it's not a reason to be upset that you have questions. And the fact that you have questions and you're addressing them to your mentor, to your teacher, means you're looking for answers to your questions so you're not just sitting with those questions now that is a good thing that you're addressing those questions and that's what we're going to do here today we're going to look at some of the fundamental questions and today we're going to look at the very existence of a creator of the universe what kind of question is that? isn't that a given? it is let's talk about it we'll be right back this is Soul to Soul on 101.9 FM. And welcome back to Salt to Soul. Rabbi Harry And today we're talking about questions. We're not going to shut people up because they have questions. On the contrary, it's a good thing. And in Judaism, we want to encourage people, if you have questions, to ask them. There's one point, though, that I like to make, is that it all depends on where the question's coming from, obviously. Because I've found you have people who genuinely, sincerely want to know, and sometimes they feel like the rabbi who they ask the question to, the people, it's ignored. And so, in that case... Questions should be taken seriously because people sincerely, genuinely want to know and grow. But unfortunately, sometimes questions do come from a place of cynicism and skepticism. Maybe there's nothing wrong with being skeptical, but certainly cynical is not the right approach. And what I've come to a conclusion or to realization was that those who genuinely, sincerely want to know and want to grow, even if I don't have the right answers to their questions, and not always do we, where rabbis aren't, not all rabbis know it all. And I'll be the first to confess, if I don't have the answer to the question, either I'll look into it, or perhaps recommend you speak with a rabbi who knows more, who's learned more, who's got more time on their belt. But those who come with that cynicism, no matter how good your answers are, it won't resolve their questions, because the question's not seeking an answer, it's just seeking to, to, to cynically um, poke, perhaps, and that 's why I think it 's important. One asks themselves, Do you really want an answer to your question it 's important to recognize that, but still, questions in judaism as we 've been saying, is an important element. Rabbi Friedman who came to visit for the Sinai last year he said you know we Jews are a funny bunch because if you walk into a church on a Sunday and I'm not saying that you should just speaking theoretically and you ask the non-Jews there if they believe in God and they're going to tell you of course what do you think we're doing here right do the same thing go into a mosque go into a mosque on a Friday or any day when people are praying and ask the people if they believe in God and they'll tell you Allahu Akbar God is great of course what do you think why else would we be here otherwise? But go into a shul on the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. Go in on Yom Kippur. And it's very possible you could ask a Jew this question, do you believe in God? And they'll start hemming and hoeing, I'm not sure, I don't know, I, it could be, uh, show me evidence. And if you really press them and push them, so why on earth are you in shul today, if, you don't, if you're not sure if you believe? And what do they say? Well, you know, what do you think? It's Yom Kippur, and I'm Jewish. Of course I'll be in shul. So, that is the point I wanted to make, is that, in Jewish tradition, (inaudible) anachnu ma'aminim, bene ma'aminim, indeed, we are believers, it's embedded deep, deep inside us, our belief. But that belief can't just be something you take for granted, something that exists. That is the reality. But in order for that reality to really, truly grow and to be meaningful and purposeful, you have to be able to ask those questions. And, to be able to even continue when you don't get satisfactory answers. Maybe it's about yourself probing deeper in order to find the answers to those questions. And so indeed, when the fellow who I mentioned earlier came to the Tzamach Tzedek, Rabbi Menachem Mandel of Lubavitch, the Rebbe really encouraged his questions and said, it's not a big deal. And the point, I think, that the Rebbe's response revealed was that in the fellow's heart of hearts, he really, of course, does believe in God. And that's why he's frustrated with those agnostic thoughts entering his mind. So the Rebbe's message to him was one of reassurance. Because, alright, so don't be so turned off by the fact that you have questions. Now start looking for the answers. Now start learning, discovering who you are. And that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at certain questions. Because there are many issues that people have in their acceptance of God. And like that fellow, people are bothered by those issues and they want them to be resolved. Why do I have these questions? And so people want to believe in and have a relationship with God. But there are questions, there are blockages, there are challenges. They could be intellectual, they could be emotional, whatever it is. So don't be turned off by your questions. Feel free to turn to a Rebetzin, a rabbi, a mentor, a teacher, someone you could connect with. Right here you have an opportunity two hours every single day on Chai FM, on Soul to Soul. You could call into the studio. You could ask your questions. And there are rabbis who will try to answer your questions. There are rebbitzins who have time slots here who will try, who will attempt to answer your questions. And then of course there are people who have no questions. Their faith isn't bothered by the questions. But perhaps they want to still strengthen and deepen the relationship with God. And so it's still worthwhile to consider the questions that others might have. And to think, how could we deepen our relationship, our faith, whatever we can, our connections with Hashem. And so it's important that you don't ignore whatever questions you might have. And here's the first question I'm going to pose to you is, what are some of the commonly, commonly um, what are some of the issues that commonly challenge a person's faith in God, or the desire to have a relationship with Him? What is it that prevents people, that challenges their relationship with God? And I'd love to hear your answer, so please feel free to send an SMS, send a WhatsApp into the studio, and I'll gladly uh, try to address whatever challenges or obstacles you feel you have. The SMS line is open, and we're happy to hear, to take your your. Your points, remember the SMS numbers 34519 or WhatsApp 61 Again, 61 and the SMS number 34519. Okay, so we got some questions coming through and I'm happy to – I didn't promise answers to you questions. <laughs> some of the tough ones here. All right, so let's look at some of the questions that are coming through. So here's one. Nicole says – There's no evidence that God exists. Belief in God is not rational. Okay. Whew. I'm not going to give you any evidence or proof here today on Chai FM. All I'll do is tell you a little story. My grandmother was growing up in communist Russia and there in the classroom one day one of the teachers was trying to prove to the kids that God does not exist. Got proof. So the teacher says that you see me, you see the Board on the wall, you see the chalk in my hand and showing the various things, the desk in the room. But you don't see God, so it's proof of God's non-existence. One of the students responds, Teacher, we see you, we see your beautiful face. We see the fancy coat you're wearing and the wig on your head. And we see all the things you point out. But we don't see your brain. Is that an indication that you don't have a brain? And so, of course, I'm sorry, Nicole, that I can't answer that question Right here, but it's certainly a good point and I'm sure that could certainly present a challenge to your relationship with God. Let's see what else we got. Okay, someone else says that God isn't noticeably present in my life. Even if he exists, he isn't relevant to me. Okay. So I hear another important point and certainly that could pose a challenge, a question, a a blockage in your relationship with God, no doubt about that. And indeed, they tell the story about a kid who is his father is trying to prove to him God doesn't get, writes him a note, God is nowhere. And the kid writes, tells back to his dad, look at what it says here, God is now here. It's true, sometimes we don't feel God's presence in our life. And in fact, there's the story from Rabbi Dovber, the Magad of Mezrich, he talks about The game hide and seek. You ever played that game in your childhood, hide and seek? He says, God is sort of hiding. In fact, the Hebrew word for the universe, for olam, the word olam is related to the word helam, which means hidden. That means the world, the natural world we're in obscures the spirituality, the true divine reality of the world. He says, of course, it's our job to seek out God. But he was reminded that once in his childhood, while he was playing with some friends, the game hide and seek, some of the kids played a little prank at him. He had a really great hiding place, but they stopped seeking him. They were no longer looking for him. And so he says, it is with us as well sometimes we forget to seek out God. And we don't feel God's presence or relevance in our own lives. So I certainly relate to that. And by the way, I don't know if your messages are what you're saying. You know, it's better sometimes to talk about the other. I relate a story about someone comes to a rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel of Lubavitch, and says to him, my friend committed this terrible sin and is asking for a rectification, what he should do about it. How does he resolve this? And the Rebbe looks at him and says, you know, your friend could have spared himself the embarrassment of sending you. He could have come in here himself and said that his friend did it. And of course, the Rebbe was pointing out to this fellow, was not trying to say, I caught you out, that your friend is really you. But I think he was trying to tell him that it's important that you acknowledge, that you recognize, that you take responsibility for what you may have done wrong. Only then will you truly be able to resolve and fix, rectify that problem so in truth you could send the messages here not about your own challenges but I don't know who you are even if you write your name or you put a pseudonym I really don't know who you are and it's okay to send through any types of challenges or questions you have or your friend has or you find other people have here's another one that just came through if there's a God why do people suffer what kind of God creates a world in which the innocent suffer and die That is a multi-million. That's the $69 million question. Why do bad things happen to good people? How could God allow for a Holocaust? How could people suffer? And indeed, I I agree with you in that question. And I'm not going to try to justify it. So it's some real tough ones. And I appreciate all the messages coming through. So again, for those who wanted to send WhatsApps at 0618951019. SMS 34519. And yes, keep those messages coming. Here are some more that come through. So much unspeakable evil has been perpetrated and still is in God's name. And yes, indeed, I agree with you. Look at the history of our people. We've certainly suffered by the hands of other religions. And that's no doubt true. And you look around the world and you see all types of fanatical extremism and you don't have to even look at other religions, we can even look within our own religion, I certainly recognize that indeed, there are ideas, there are, uh, it's true, there are, absolutely, there are um, people using God's name in vain, and there are Jewish extremists too, we have fanatics in all sectors of society, not just in other religions, and uh, I, I concur with your sentiment but that doesn't mean just because there are extremists there are a few who who desecrate god's name that we should now lose our faith in god so uh, your point is well taken and i agree with you another one it's hard to accept the biblical description of a human like childish petty jealous and judgmental God. Have I got one for you? I'm going to ask Craig in a moment to help me put on a little audio clip for you that actually is quite funny, and we'll talk to that one. Uh, not that I'm agreeing with it, but it is it is a true point that you're making. Um, but I will answer you to say with a little story. The story is of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak a fellow who once came to him and said, you know this petty and childish and all these descriptions that uh, you use here, these adjectives of god and all i all, all I believe responded to him was to say the God you don 't believe in i don 't believe in either and what I want to say about that is indeed that 's part of the discussion I wanted to have today is redefining God, the idea that sometimes we have a wrong impression, whether it 's a childish immature idea that we somehow heard or maybe just one aspect of Of religion that we've that we're familiar with and not there are many divine attributes in fact during the days of the sphere accounting we go through the seven divine attributes and each one is encompassed with the other and throughout the high holidays and every day in our prayers we mention we evoke the 13 divine attributes so God is not only vengeful and and petty and and all those other terms you described there God is not just about judgment Yes, those are part of God's attributes, but God is also compassionate and merciful and kind and loving. So we gotta look at the full package. So I'll put on a little audio for you because this one just fits into what you said. So hold on right there, let's see if we got it. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man (laughs) living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the Invisible Man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these 10 things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. he loves you and he needs money he always needs money he's all powerful, all perfect, all knowing and all wise somehow just can't handle money Okay, I hope that wasn't too irreverent. Ooh, I've already got some messages telling me that was inappropriate. All right, I, I will concur with that, but I that was comedian George Carlin, and he's known to be rabidly anti-religious, and he pokes fun at the notion of religion and God and talks about, as you heard, that invisible man living in the sky who watches every... And now, yes, people will be cynical and make fun, and George Carlin does exactly that here, and uh, I think... It's important to acknowledge the fact that there are types, all types of impediments from all the messages that I got coming through. Uh, There are, and people, someone else is saying here that I could be a good Jewish person without God. You know, do I really need to believe? And yes, I agree with you. There are plenty of atheists who are proudly Jewish, so... Yes, it's true. And we got here a message from Judge Goldstein, who says, for Nicole and the other listeners, may find interesting to check out the verdict website by, oh, it's by Judge Goldstein. So, yeah, not a bad idea to check out the verdict. Check out that website. And I believe that Judge Ezra Goldstein is the father of our chief rabbi, who also talks about these things. And... uh it's worthwhile, because here I'm having a quick discussion, but it's nice to see the interaction and, and the the points. And I'll take one more for the moment. Um, someone says that life, uh, the, the religious life is too difficult for me. Oh, really, is it? Okay, fine. Uh, golfing on Saturday and shopping is more enjoyable than my rabbi's sermon, even if he thinks he's a good speaker. <laughs> okay. Um, if I'm your rabbi, I apologize for the for thinking I'm a good speaker and for the boring sermons. But yes, indeed, this is great. This is great stuff and it's great. If you have any more points, just send them through and I'll try to get back to them in a moment. But obviously, this is a interesting discussion because indeed, many people have questions and I'm happy to open the, the opportunity for you to ask those questions because we all know God is important to Judaism. The question is, How important is God to Jewish life? Can you envision a Judaism without God? Maybe this story is good. I always tell it over, um, especially as the Shabbos project is approaching. The story of a fellow who goes out last year to Stutterford's Zalav HaShalem, and goes to buy a new suit for the Shabbos project. But there was one problem. You know, the, the suit fit really nice and perfect. It really suited him. But the trousers were a little bit too long. So he asks his wife, darling, sweetheart, would you mind to, you know, just needs three centimeters of nice sewing and could just make a nice hem. And she says, I'd love to, my dear husband. But you know how much preparation we have a lot of guests coming is a lot to do. I can't, I'm really sorry. And he asks his eldest child, and she's got her matric dance prom that night, and the next one's got another function, and each one, the next one's got kululam. Everyone's got something to go to, so. He registers his mind that there will be no new suit for Shabbos. He goes to sleep and he's twisting and turning and turning and twisting. He just can't fall asleep. He wants to wear a suit for Shabbos. He gets out of bed, goes into the kitchen, takes out the scissors. You know the scissors that his wife uses when she's preparing the chickens. She's got to cut them and separate them. That's the scissors he finds. And he cuts the suit of what he measures in his guesstimation of three centimeters. Now we could go to sleep with a couple of strings lying loose, but at least the three centimeters are cut off. He goes to sleep. Geshmak Now he knows he has a suit for Shabbos. The problem is his wife realizes that her husband indeed is such a nice, sweet, kind, loving guy. She says, let me do him the favor. She goes to the sewing machine. She spends the next hour making a beautiful hem, cutting those three centimeters and really perfecting it beautifully. Then the daughter comes back from her matric dance prom. And she does three centimeter hem. And each child comes someone does it. And before you know it, there's no suit left. All he's got now is shorts. And the message of court is of course is that in Judaism sometimes we cut a little here and cut a little there. If you want to cut God out of Judaism, it's not Judaism anymore. And you can't change Judaism. So these are good questions, and we'll get back to them in a moment. <laughs> Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is one hundred and one point nine High FM, Soul to Soul. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. I am Rabbi Ari Kivman, and I am having quite a bit of fun here today. And we got some questions and comments coming through. Here is another one: Being Jewish doesn't always make one religious. Thank you, Neil, for that. So, indeed, it doesn't mean you have to be religious can you be religious can you b- can you believe in god without being religious now the question is is that a bit of cognitive dissonance that was a question somebody asked last night at the course in fact about being jewish being believing in god without being religious so that is a a question that could take time in discussion because what if you believe in god then you believe in god's commandments so The fellow yesterday argued that perhaps over the years, you know, you didn't have electricity when God gave us the commandments and the laws. And no one has come back to tell us that how the laws have evolved or changed or how they are applicable and relevant today. Of course, our sages have told us. And therefore, we follow the sages who are our guarding lights. But it's a point well taken, Neil. And thank you for sharing that as well. So, of course... In Judaism, belief in God, this very notion. Like I said, you're welcome to ask questions. and You're welcome to have questions on God. and Questions on religious practice and observance. But belief in God is not something that is optional. It's of paramount importance in Judaism. God's first hello to us on Mount Sinai was, I am the Lord your God. And you need to accept me, right? And the second commandment was, don't even think of believing in anyone else's thing. Right, So the imperatives to believe in God and to reject all other powers or deities, that is repeated over and over numerous times in the Torah, not just in the Ten Commandments. It is a basic tenet of Judaism. It's perhaps the most fundamental principle of Judaism. In fact, the first two commandments perhaps collectively include all of the mitzvahs because those are the only two commandments that we as a nation heard directly from God. The rest were articulated by Moses. And our sages tell us that this is because this first commandment, Anokhi, encompasses all the mitzvot, all the positive, 248 positive commandments. And the neg- the second commandment, that you should have no other gods before me, is including all the negative, the 365 negative commandments. So, of course... These are all, this is the basic fundamental principle of Judaism, is our belief in God. Now, if you look at Maimonides and some of our great thinkers and teachers, our great sages throughout history, they have addressed these questions, but the basic belief in one God, and that's why I don't believe there's really truly atheists, forget about atheists, uh, Jewish atheists. But, you know, there are people convinced that there are atheists, but as they say, atheists are in a foxhole. At the end of the day, when it comes to beliefs, and I'll share with you an interesting statistic that came from a Pew Research Study Center recently about atheism today, how, in fact, there's a diminution, diminution how would you say it? People are less believing in their uh, fanatical religious beliefs, perhaps, But more people are coming to realization of a power, a force, who is in charge of the world. But the first point, if you look in the Sefer HaChinuch as an example, Sefer HaChinuch tells us that it's a mitzvah. The basic principle of Judaism is to believe in God. We say this Shema Yisrael every day. What is Shema Yisrael? Here, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. It's recognizing there's a God, and God is one and indivisible. That is the foundational, fundamental principle of Judaism. No, no, el- Nothing else. In fact, in the Sefer HaChinuch it says, we will never submit to any contrary belief, it, even at the cost of our lives. And that's an important point as well. Because to be willing to give up your life for your beliefs, think about what Martin Luther King Jr. said. That a person who won't die for something... Is not fit to live. If you don't, if you're not willing to die for something, you're not really willing to live for anything. And I could tell you something at the Liberty Bell, there's a sign that says, give a, give me liberty or give me death. Of course, these, you gotta be willing to die for something. Judaism is about living for God. But the way we live for God is to be even willing to die for God. So indeed, the first and important thing of our belief in Judaism is that it's Fundamental. Our faith in God is fundamental and we quoted the Ten Commandments for this and throughout the Torah. And obviously we want faith in God and we want to have a meaningful relationship with Hashem. But a few moments ago, we were getting lots of messages here, people's issues and questions and their blockages that obviously we have to deal with. And here's another message that came through. Rabbi, God told the Israelites oh i'm a missing there's a few messages sorry i'm going to run through all of them very quickly right now they do not be, uh, they do not live by bread alone but should live by the, by every word that comes from God okay thanks for that Neil obviously you have to live from the word of God but you got to believe in God for that and here's another one uh now go to the next message there we go uh rabbi I would urge the people who have sent in messages to consider all the good in their lives, their health, their families, their sustenance, etc. And to focus on the gratitude they feel for all the blessings in their lives and to consider where all this goodness comes from. It looks like there's more for that. Oh, there you are. When you look for Hashem, you find Him. Having lived a secular life for most of my life and having lived a more observant life for the last eight years, I can only say that I'm sorry I wasted all that time beforehand a life with a shamanit is so much more fulfilling and meaningful well thank you for that message and that's certainly inspiring and uplifting and i got to share with you i recently spoke with a doctor who told me that he's jewish and his wife is too but they were both secular they were professionals scientifically uh, you know educated doctors prof- professionals and they were looking for the right lifestyle they were going to choose for their family before they got married. And looking around and observing various options, they chose a religious lifestyle. And so they joined a community in a shul and they started, so to say, living a religious lifestyle, keeping Shabbos and kosher, going to shul. But the doctor confessed to me and said, Rabbi, I actually didn't believe in God for almost three. He said, I think he said over two years before he said he was religious for more than two years before he actually believed in God. But he chose this lifestyle because he enjoyed a lot of the benefits of a Jewish religious lifestyle. He said Shabbos was an amazing opportunity to just, it's ingrained in the system. It's embedded in the system that on Friday night you get together with your family and you have a romantic dinner with wine and challah and meat and candlelit and singing songs together and sharing words of wisdom. And he said he enjoyed the aspects of going to shul and the social benefits of it. He said he actually didn't believe in God. He wasn't one who believed in God. He was just enjoying all the fringe benefits of a Jewish life. I guess maybe that's why he started to wear tzitzis too. He said it took two years or more, till he started to believe in God. So, I could understand a lot of the blockages and challenges, and maybe this is one of those hot button topics I didn't realize how popular it would be and how many pointers would come through. But indeed, if you have questions, nothing wrong, and hopefully, over the next couple of weeks, we'll have a chance to address some of those issues, some of those blockages that get in the way. I don't, purport to have answers to all those questions and indeed we have a short time slot here but you're welcome to go to ChabadSalAfrica.org many other wonderful good Jewish websites the verdict that was mentioned earlier and so many others where you could perhaps explore these issues and ask the questions and seek answers we'll be right back this is Soul to Soul on 101.9 fm and welcome back I'm our Barry Keevan. and the message is flowing through we have another one here from Neil. Abraham, our forefather, was called the friend of God because he did what God wanted him to do. So, indeed, that's true. And this week's Torah portion, Lech Lecha, we live with our forefather Abraham, Avraham Avinu, every single day. And indeed, that is what Avraham did, and he inspired others. And perhaps if we have a few moments, we could analyze a little bit of what Avraham's belief in God was. Maimonides... Elucidates on the foundation of Judaism. The most fundamental principle, Maimonides tells us, is our belief in God, and that God is one. That is the foundation of Judaism. And since Neil mentions Avraham, let's talk a little bit about Avraham Avinu, because indeed, Avraham was called Avraham Ha'ivri. He's known to be the very first Jew. Now, why was he called Ivri? What's Ivri? Hebrew. What is Hebrew? You know, the, Hebrew word for Hebrew is what? Ivri. That's right. And that's related to the word Aver. What does Aver mean? Aver means side. So Avraham was called Avraham Ivri. There's a few meanings. Firstly, Ivri, he was a grandchild of Aver, being a descendant of Aver. Perhaps that was his surname, as many people get their surnames by their ancestor's name. Also, he came from Avar Hanahar, which means the other side of the Euphrates River. So he perhaps got the name Ivri. But the Medrash tells us something else. Is that Avram was called Ivri, Hebrew, because he introduced a revolution that turned conventional wisdom on its head and pitted him against the entire world. And because we, as Avram's descendants, embrace Avram's view, as Neil so eloquently mentioned in his message, that's why we are also called Ivry, were called the Hebrews to this very day. And what was this radical innovative belief that Avram espoused, that he was teaching the people of his time? What was it? Well, as mentioned before the Sefer of Chinuch the two basic beliefs in Judaism was number one, accepting that God exists and believing that God is one. Now, this is the basic of the mitzvah. Avram was born and raised in a world that accepted that commandment or the first part of it believing in one God but the second part of the commandment of believing in God's unity of just having one God monotheism that was a challenge in his time and that's what Avram set out to actually inspire and influence the people of his time that they should believe in one God now of course one could ask the question if God is a good idea what's wrong with having more than one God right if a person already believes in multiple gods, why can't they believe in one God? But why is this? Why was this such a controversy? Why was it such a major conflict in that time? That Avram has to be on one side of the world believing in one God, monotheism, and they all have to vehemently disagree with him and be on the other side of the world. Who cares? Why does it have to be such a big deal? So they want to be polytheistic? They want to believe in more than one God? What is the problem with that? And the answer, as explained in chasidus is something else, which we're not going to have too much time to discuss right now in great detail. But if I could just summarize the Hasidic explanation of why Avar made such a big deal about monotheism in his time. Because the concept of an existence that is the cause for everything else to exist, as Maimonides puts it, is something that not necessarily everyone related to. Many think that God is so great And God is transcendent to be relevant to their lives. And so instead, what did polytheism do? It attributed divine attributes to creations of God. So, for example, the wind is is one God. And the sun is another God. And they attributed the divinity to those powers that provided them with their needs. If the sun provides me with light and warmth, then... I worship it. And even people, Nimrod in our portion, the king was considered a deity. Pharaoh was considered a god. And so Avram was countering that God's oneness means that no other force of power, whether it's physical or spiritual, exerts any control. God is beyond any definition or understanding. But Avram tried to teach the people of his time. You don't need that intermediary. You don't need to pray to rocks, to stones, to idols. God is intimately involved with every aspect of creation. You and I, we all could have a personal relationship with Almighty God. And please God, next week we'll have a chance to continue this fascinating discussion. You're most welcome to join me in person on Wednesday morning or evenings at Chabad House in Savoy in the mornings or at Santon and Central Shul, the Kirsh, Goodness, and Kindness Center, on Wednesday evenings, where we continue this discussion. And please, God, next week, we'll talk more about the notions of uh, these questions. You know, do you ever resent the fact that God orders us around, right? Does the burden posed by mitzvah observance, observance, I saw that certainly before in one of the comments coming through on the SMS line, that that God, you know, why do I have to be religious? To be Jewish. Perhaps I could believe in God without being religious. So we'll talk about that please God next week. And we'll talk about we'll explore why God issues so many instructions. Why the Torah has so many do's and don'ts. And if it really makes a difference. And uh, perhaps as we'll find out the deeper and scarier question is not whether our actions matter, matter. But whether we matter, and I hope you'll join us for that discussion. Just before we go, I want to seize this opportunity to tell you, you can join us at 7.15 p.m. tonight at the Kirsch, Goodness and Kindness Center for a talk with Dr. Ivor Blumenthal. And he is going to be talking about exercising your vote in 2019 does not have to be based on racial or religious affiliations. So how you vote should be a strategic decision that you make about the future that you wish for South Africa and the legacy that you want to leave for your children. If history teaches us anything, it's that there are no professional politicians. There are only politicians influenced by their electorate. You are that electorate. And you could influence wisely. So join us for this interesting talk tonight, 7.15 p.m. at the Kirsch Goodness and Kindness Center, 8 Stella Street, Stanton Central. And one other important thing, I know you're getting ready for the Shabbos project next week. Well, we've got it for you. We're going to have the Shabbos retreat at Hunter's Rest Hotel. And that would be a great opportunity for you to join with Rabbi Levy and Rebitz and Sterner Weinberg. Rabbi Weinberg is renowned worldwide for his teachings and for the books he's written, as is Rebbets and Sterno who's a personal life coach and an executive life coach and you could enjoy their company and their wisdom and teachings at the Shabbos retreat next week. So if you want more information just seek us out at Chabad House and we'll get that information for you and let you know all about this fantastic Shabbos project retreat which you're most welcome to join us for. My dear friends, that's it for me here today. Wishing you a fabulous Shabbos a meaningful and purposeful one and don't hesitate to ask those questions. You'll be in Shul and Shabbos. Ask your and Ask your rabbi. Turn to your mentor, to your teacher. Tune in here to Soul to Soul. we got Fresh Thinking up next with Rabbi Shishler just after the news. And I'm sure he'll be talking about some topics that you'll really enjoy that will be mind and thought-provoking to get you thinking about what's important in your Jewish life. For now, my friends... Carpe Diem, seize the moment, wishing you a meaningful, purposeful Shabbos. Catch you back here, please God, next week, same time, same place, only on Chai FM, Soul to Soul.